The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's not a bail bag edition. You've heard two of those this week, and now it is... Craig, Maddie, and I's turn to kind of pick what we talk about. And one of the things that we want to do during this offseason, as we're leading into the draft, is go position by position and, and discuss uh, both the 2019 season, kind of review the cornerbacks, but then also maybe look ahead to the future, look at the free agent market, look at the draft a little bit at each position and have those conversations. And we're going to start with the cornerback position today. Uh, Craig is very excited. Here to help me talk about... These fine cornerbacks, first find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Matthew Lane. This is actually your idea to do this, so so great idea, Maddie. Let's get this thing going, bud. Thank you. Yes, I will take a little bit of credit for this. You know, it's I thought it would be fun to go through week by week, kind of systematically, and look through the past season's performance from the court from a single position group. So this week, the cornerbacks, then maybe look at the free agency and in the draft. So that way you just get a whole podcast dedicated to one position. You're going to get one pretty much every week going throughout leading up to the draft, start the off season, just that way to get familiar. And we're trying to start with some positions that probably are of bigger interest. So like we said, cornerback first, I'm excited our third pal here, Craig Stout, find him on Twitter. Barley Hop is really excited. I think he drove like 95 miles an hour all the way home because he wanted to talk about cornerbacks. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to take the rest of the offseason off <laughs> until we get to linebackers. Then I'm going to bounce back in. Just just the positions that I love the most. No, I'm really excited to do this. It's a great idea. I think it gives us a little bit of an insight as to how they could stack the teams, how they could build things, while giving you guys some names to look at, both in free agency and the draft. Uh, speaking of the draft, uh, we are working feverishly on the KC Draft Guide. You'll get more information on that probably next week. But Craig's already got 40-plus corners graded. He's already got so many corners uh, with with some grades on, and, and we've all got our eyes on a good chunk of them as well. Uh, so we've we've got a lot of draft work done already. Uh, just a couple housekeeping notes. Speaking of the draft, the AP Draft Show will be back uh, next Friday. So that that show starts. Myself, Jake, Maddie, Craig will all be doing that. That starts next week. Really excited about that. If you uh, if you like the show, if you like what we're doing on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast channel, why don't you go ahead and just hit the subscribe button so you can always get 
uh, all of the great stuff that we have going on at AP on, uh, on our podcast channel right to your feed. And if you really like the shows, we would love a five-star review as well. That would be just delightful. Let's go ahead and just jump into this this game here a little bit, this this exercise, and let's just start talking about the Kansas City Chiefs corners, a group I think we were all pretty surprised about, uh, were, that the Chiefs were able to to have the success they did because I think it was, a, it was a stress point for us this entire year. Craig, how did they do this year? I mean, all things considered, with the talent that they had at the position and the lack of guys that they brought in, I... I think we can all recall there in the preseason that we were worried about the number of corners, not just the quality, but the number <laughs> that they were going to be carrying into the year there. Frankly, they played very, very well despite those circumstances. Sam Madison and Dave Merritt really did get the most out of this cornerback group. Steve Spagnolo really played and tailored the coverage scheme to their strengths. I feel like those guys responded very well to the coaching. The coaching responded very well to what they did well. So, yeah, they obviously did really, really well considering the lack of investment that they put into the position. I think throughout the year, you saw ups and downs at the position. It started out pretty rough to start the year. Then you saw different guys step out throughout throughout the season. And like Craig said, that's a huge nod to Steve Spagnola, Dave Merritt, St. Madison. Like these guys did an excellent job with them, especially because you had to work through this defense knowing that this was not the most talented group on the team and you had to really find a way to make it work. And they did. They used extra help from other positions on the team to help them out. They were constantly in favorable positions based on the score of the game and the coverage and stuff. It's like they got a lot of help, but they performed very well given what they have on the field. And I think they caught a lot of fans by surprise how they were playing, kind of leading through the back half of the season and into the playoffs. I mean, this is a unit that really strung it together there for a while, and they pretty much only played two to three corners on a game-by-game basis. Depends on what you want to kind of count Kendall Fuller as as he transitioned to safety. But they weren't playing a lot of them, but they were playing well when they were on the field. Uh, the the funny thing about this group is they the Chiefs spent under $10 million That's on, silly. on the cornerback position. It was one of the bottom five, six, seven... Uh, in 2019 for positional spending, and I didn't look. I don't know if there was any dead cap involved in there that was carrying over from something else. I don't know what that would be, honestly. Um, but the fact that they were able to get so much out of this group with you know, spending $2 million on Bashad Breland and spending, well, $2 million on Mo Claiborne. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, I, I, Charvarius Ward, you know, and, and, a, and a, an undrafted free agent. Rashad Fenton, a sixth-round pick. That was really... And Kendall Fuller, that was really the core. That was that was it. That was all that they rolled with all the way to a Super Bowl. You've got to give that group a ton of credit. Uh, it was a big surprise. And the biggest surprise, let's talk about that. Maddie. who is the biggest surprise at the cornerback position? Started off right at the very beginning, Charvarius Ward. I think most people listening probably know that as a group, but especially me, I was not very high on Charvarius Ward going into the season. Not that I thought he was a particularly bad player. I just was very skeptical about believing that he was going to be that guy for this team. I had questions about his ability to play the ball, about his change of direction ability, stuff like that. And I think even as the season wore on, that proved to still be a little bit of a real concern. It just didn't matter because he played excellent. He far surpassed my expectations for him, for the team. 
I do think his performance maybe got overblown a little bit when you look at some of the stats, but by and large, he was not a major problem in most of the games that they played, especially down the stretch, maybe some here and there, but not near as many as I thought. I absolutely did not see that coming. It was fantastic to see Charverius Ward take a big step forward. I hope he can continue that right now because he could be on his way on his way to getting a large payday if he can improve on his performance this year next season. Yeah, you got to be excited about that. It's probably Charverius for me as well. I I also want to make sure to give a shout out to Rashad Fenton though. Uh, he he kind of he exceeded, exceeded my expectations for sure. He played a lot in the slot this year, which was a little bit surprising. That's not where his strengths are, and you saw him get burnt by Adam Humphreys on that uh, dig in the in the Tennessee game in Nashville. But made some plays on the football. Physical tackler actually stayed pretty decent in phase at times uh, in coverage, and I thought there was a little bit to build off with. I, and I think you know, getting some opportunities, getting some reps. He was on the field during the Super Bowl. The sixth round pick cornerback was on the field playing on defense in the Super Bowl. Some that's good experience for this guy. That's good for him to be in there for a year, get some opportunities to you know get his feet wet, make a few plays in the back half of the season, show some promise, have some ability on special teams. You got to be pleased with him moving forward. He's a lock to make this football next football team next year, in my opinion. And I'm it's those two guys realistically, but. I'm going to cheat a little bit because he played corner at the beginning of the season. Kendall Fuller. Kendall <laughs> Save Fuller. The honestly, we, this is a very, goodness. hold on. This is a Maddie answer to a T. This is an <laughs> extremely Maddie answer right now. It's been a long day. I Kendall Fuller started at the cornerback position. Kendall Fuller really showed that he can play safety. And we ran him down. Quite a bit. He looked awful in training camp. He looked awful in the preseason. And he looked awful for the few you know weeks at the beginning of the season there, along with the rest of the cornerbacks. It wasn't just him. But he did not look good. For him to come back, respond to a position change, and play as well as he did down the stretch when they needed him, that was a really, really big surprise. I, I'm very happy for Kendall Fuller. He's going to get paid. I, I think it's really funny, too, that none of us mentioned Bashad Breland. And we definitely should. Like the truth of the matter is pretty much the entire cornerback position <laughs> surprised. And I think I think realistically, all of us felt like Bashad Breland was probably the best cornerback of the group. Sure. Right? He certainly played like it throughout the course of the year, but I, maybe that's all that was. That that's it probably was more true. of a surprise that's that fair. those other guys stepped up. That's I yeah, I think we were most optimistic about Bashad Breland. <laughs> like there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. So for what I still think I still think he even really exceeded the expectations that I had for him this season. Mm-hmm. And it's showing because I mean Bill like I said, Bill Barnwell on ESPN, I think I mentioned that earlier this week. He has Bashad Breeland making $10 million a year. So if that's the case, the Chiefs got tremendous value for him in the one year and 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 Bashad made the most of it. Biggest disappointment. There's I mean, it's Mo Claiborne, I think, is the biggest disappointment on this football yeah. team. I mean we were all stressed about depth at the cornerback position. We were stressed about the bodies. We were, you know, worried about this because there wasn't a ton of depth to this football team at the cornerback spot. And so they bring in Mo Claiborne and he's kind of a guy we I don't think any of us were 
expecting big things out of him by any stretch of the word. I think we all were in consensus more optimistic about Bashad Breeland than we were about Mo Claiborne. But it was a guy with experience. It was a guy that I believe has played in a, a system similar to this in the past. Um, he has plenty of experience under his belt. I I can't tell you one thing I remember him doing this year. <laughs> Literally. It's like... It's like it's like with offensive line, like the best thing is to not see him. The problem is Mo Claiborne is not an offensive line. Man. <laughs> Mo Claiborne was bad. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. He was bad. And I, I mean, I remember conversations that we got to have early on this season about how do they get through the first four weeks of the season so that the help can come? What? <laughs> Who did oh. that? And go. Yeah, yeah, we, we did a lot of that. So, yeah, no, it's Mo Claiborne, but I'm, I'm going to throw in DeMontre Wade there just just cuz just to throw out his name into the mix can i just uh, can i just for a hot minute he w- he was in the run with the first team what about what about herb miller our guy herb, herb miller. miller rest in peace the herbivores. Herb- herbivores that's you know like i mean pour one out for that guy too all right so mine this is i put myself last in this one for a reason because i had a good one charvarius ward is also my biggest disappointment and here's why going throughout the season he blew up after the first week. He started to rise up, blow away my expectations. He was outplaying what I thought of him. We got to the Vikings game and everybody was out there. The word was that Charvarius Ward was having this great season. I watched the Vikings game very closely after it happened. I wouldn't see what he did because he gave up like one catch for nothing against Stefan Diggs. The tape just didn't match that production when I went back and watched it. He was beat on more than one occasion, and it looked pretty bad on some reps. So I file out away. We move on. He had some ups and downs throughout the season. There was good weeks. There was bad weeks. But the narrative was he kept playing better and better, and I was hoping to see him at least carry that up and down trajectory through the playoffs. In the playoffs, Traverius Ward played a lot closer to what I kind of thought he was to start the season. There was a lot more downs in the playoffs. And I know, again, the stats aren't going to bear it out as well, especially when you include the Titans game, who really didn't throw much. But Charvarius Ward was the one cornerback, the one kind of coverage player that's not a linebacker, which we'll get to, that I think teams could specifically target and have a fair amount of success going at them when they decided to. It was just a matter of, did they have the time to throw it? Was that going to be the best option? I just wanted to see more from Charvarius Ward because his good games were really good. I just wish there was more consistency because I thought there was a lot of down games mixed in, and I think they kind of got glossed over when he wasn't getting targeted because there was there was some times where he was the guy that would give up all the third down completions. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the most optimistic thing that what we're most optimistic about moving forward with with this uh, with this cornerback position, Craig. Well, we can flip a coin here because realistically, there's only. Two guys to be optimistic about it currently with this quarterback group. I'm going to go with three. Hey, why are, why are we slandering Alex Brown? Let's remember our good pal Alex Brown. Oh, he's our pal? When did he become our pal? Is he? Oh, are we getting an exclusive interview with Alex Brown coming up here? No, but when you win a Super Bowl, <laughs> you're pals for life. Hey, you, you wear that damn ring, son. My favorite... Um, hold on real quick. My One of my favorite moments of the entire Super Bowl coverage was watching Alex Brown with his head in the turf, buried in the turf, just crying for with joy for winning the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, continue. Yeah. Um, Charvarius Ward. Charvarius, for everything that he is, 
really comes alive in the red zone. Uh, he is a fantastic red zone cornerback. Uh, the Chiefs really came up big in the red zone a lot, especially at the end of the year. And, you know, throughout the year, I kept throwing out the stats. It's like, you know, listen, they're facing so many of these red zone opportunities and they're not allowing touchdowns. It's allowing them to stay in these games when the offense isn't playing particularly well. A lot of that was because Charvarius Ward had a lot of moments in the red zone where he was able to break up passes, where he was able to deflect stuff. He really stepped up big in that regard. He's got a lot of things that he needs to improve on his game to really take that next step and become more consistent. But it was good to see that when they did get to the red zone, there was some consistency there. He did step up in those moments. So I think that that's something for him to build on, especially since Spagnolo is fine with offenses getting down the field a little bit if he shores up in the red zone. So I'm, I'm going to take it a little bit direct, a little different direction. I think the fact that the Chiefs were able to win a Super Bowl and get the most out of this cornerback group this year is really impressive. What I'm really optimistic about is you've got two guys with Super Bowl experience back, and they're young guys, Rashad Fenton, Charvarius Ward, but you are bringing more talent to this group. You are injecting the cornerback position most likely. I would be shocked if they didn't. They're going to have to because they only have two on the roster. They are injecting this cornerback group with talent this year. So you've got two guys I think are still ascending that have a ton of experience now that are still very young football players that are going to get some help. They're going to get some competition and they're going to and get they're they're all going to get better. The young guys are going to get better and then they're going to probably draft one early, talk about in that minute. And they're probably going to sign one in free agency too. So you're getting more talent injected to a group that they were already able to win the Super Bowl with. That's something you should be excited about and optimistic about moving forward. I was going to take it a slightly different way as well. I was Rashad Fitton deserves to be mentioned here. I think he showed real promise as an outside corner. He's still young. I love his physical play, his demeanor out there. But I wanted to go this direction. The Chiefs cornerback position is not going to be this bad in talent level again. Like nope. it does not get lower than this in terms of their talent level. And they still just won a Super Bowl. They still, by and large, played very well as a group. The cornerback group was well with this level of talent. That to me screams optimism. If these coaches can get these guys to play this well, imagine what happens when they inject a top end talent, a first, a second round pick, a high priced free agent, like somebody that's, you know, the world sees as a highly talented player. What do they look like? What does this coaching look like when they get a real pliable cornerback like that to work with rather than, and this is no offense intended to these guys, but other players that just weren't seen as big of commodities to the rest of the NFL? Yeah. The current outlook, what you've got right now is you've got uh, you've got two guys, Maddie. Your current outlook is very bare. You need some. You just need bodies to put out there. You probably need somebody else to play in the slot a little bit, but not a full time slot player because that does seem like it belongs to Tyron Matthew. But you need a guy that can kick in there from time to time when you want to let Tyron Matthew play safety or do something else, maybe across from him. And I think you still need another top end, again, going back to this talent thing, you need an elite talent, a blue chip player to play on the outside. You need someone that you feel very comfortable with to play against number one wide receivers. I don't think they have either one of those right now, a slot corner or a guy, a blue chip talent at cornerback. I think you're looking for those going forward, but the two guys on the roster, young, they've shown like they're growing. You gotta be happy about the two guys that are there. You just need to surround them with better talent. 
I don't think that you're going to lean on those two guys. I think Charvarius Ward is probably a starter. I think you're going to keep him on the field. I don't think that Rashad Fenton is going to be viewed in that same light. He might get dime reps like he did this past year, but I don't think he's going to be a guy that they're going to count on in a big, big way in 2020. Maybe he takes that next step and proves me wrong there. So, yes, I agree with Maddie there. I think that they're going to add a couple guys Having depth like, you know, Rashad Fenton, and if they add several guys, having Charvarius Ward being able to rotate and somebody pushing him or fighting for a spot with him, that's wonderful. That's great news for this group. They like these guys. They like what they've been able to put on the field. Yeah, I'm really excited to see, especially since they didn't lose a single member of this coaching staff to any other coaching staff. It's ridiculous to me. They turned around an entire defense in one year. They got to keep them all. I'm really excited to see what 2020 looks like with these guys. Yeah, I think Traverius Ward's definitely earned the opportunity and, and the you know the right to, to, to be the starter uh, next, next season. Uh, so I think that's something you got to be excited about, which is great because if you can get another veteran in the mix outside, you can let your young guy kind of develop this year and maybe towards, you know, the middle of the season, you start really getting him more reps potentially under his belt. Uh, and, and that pushes Charvarius too. I agree with Matt. You got to find someone to put him in. You got to find a, 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 a quality slot corner, I believe, because you'd want to have that flexibility with the Ty- Tyron Matthew. And it's just, it's just about cost, how much you can spend. I mean, you don't want to get too elaborate with it because yeah, Tyron Matthew's still going to be playing in the slot. But I think what you want is you need to insulate yourself for all the things that Tyron Matthew is is able to do, you want to be like if you lose Tyron Matthew, God forbid, you've got to have pieces in place to help try to figure out how to account for his for his loss. Uh, we're gonna take a break, and we will be back to out look at the free agent market and the draft at the cornerback position right after this. All right, we are looking at the cornerback position for the Kansas City Chiefs moving forward. We just got done t- kind of reviewing the 2019 season. A lot to be you know happy about with what happened there. Now let's talk about the future. Let's look ahead. Let's look at this group. Let's look at the free agents. Look at let's look at the draft and let's start with this. We're going to talk about the top tier guy that we think makes sense for the Kansas City Chiefs. And let's go with Byron Jones. He's a free agent uh, out of Dallas. He was with the Cowboys. Um, Really came on strong last year with 14 passes defense. Long, big, really good athletic profile. He's going to be about 28. He's kind of about the fringe of where the Chiefs typically sign some of these guys. He's on the high end from an age perspective of of where the Chiefs have typically targeted, you know, free agents with Brett Veach. He's like 26, 27 year olds on three year deals hitting them before they turn 30 or right when they turn 30. Um, but he's definitely a guy that from from the cornerback position, he's he might be CB one in the, in the free agency class. I mean, he's, he's going to be pretty coveted. He's only had two interceptions in his entire career. He's made a lot of plays on the ball last year. He made, or two years ago, he made 14 last year, a little bit less. He only, he only made six plays on the ball. It was kind of a down year for him. So I think his market is going to be a little bit interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited if they sign Byron Jones. Uh, anybody who bought the KC Draft Guide last year knows that I kind of formulated a general metric for trying to project athletic testing at the cornerback position. And obviously, I mean, it, to make a long story short, 
good cornerbacks produce at a significantly higher level when they are good athletes. Like it, it's just a big deal. Number one by a very large margin of the past decade is Byron Jones. He had the number one athletic profile that I had found to date there. Wow. I mean, more than Patrick Peterson, more than Jalen Ramsey, more than Denzel Ward, these freaks, these absolute athletic freaks. Byron Jones was more. I would be very interested in signing him. I think he's going to be expensive because I, I think people see that athletic profile, his length, his size, the, the way he can move, and they're going to try and go and capture that and put it on the field because it's a talent and, you know, if he's got and he's a smart guy, too. So I think the Chiefs would be wise to try and put an offer on the table for Byron Jones. I just don't know if they're going to sell the farm to try and go after a guy like that. The thing about Byron Jones for me, beyond being the talented player that he is kind of coming on now that he switched to cornerback, is he generally fits the mold, I think, of other guys that Brett Veach has gone after. He's a guy that Brett Veach would have been scouting players when he came up into the draft. He's a guy that just, he seems like a guy that Brett Veach may have had an eye on. Maybe he liked a little bit more. There's no way to know for sure. He just seems like he could have been a Veach guy given the age and some of the other drafts that we've seen Brett Veach get some guys signed as free agents afterwards. So I think you can make a connection there, especially given the athletic profile, the fact that he now plays corner. And Byron Jones kind of really took off once Chris Richard went to Dallas, kind of implemented a little bit more of that Seattle-style cover three. And while the Chiefs don't play strictly that with the exact same corner techniques, they were still one of the highest cover three playing teams. It's still match three, but it's still cover three, that Seattle style. They played it a lot in Dallas. The Chiefs played it a lot here. His style of play fits very well with kind of what the Chiefs have been doing. If Brett Veach was a fan of him coming out, we all know Brett Veach is going to get his guys if he wanted him. So if he was a Brett Veach guy, I think there's a good chance they would throw a lot of money at him because of fit, because Brett Veach liked him before. We just don't know that and won't know that until he gets paid by somebody in free agency. We'll know that at like uh, uh, two days after free agency starts because Brett Veach will have put the most money on the table immediately. <laughs> All right, let's talk about a mid-tier guy now. And we decided to talk about Bashad Breeland a little bit more because Bashad Breeland has earned himself some money this offseason. He did it in Kansas City. He had a fantastic year. The Chiefs got exceptional value for him. Now let's see, you know, maybe maybe we can uh maybe maybe the Chiefs should just bring him back as a mid-tier kind of option. Yeah, he he's gonna get nine or ten million dollars a year, probably. That's mid-tier cornerback money right now. Uh, he's already said that he's going to go out and test free agency. He said that on Good Morning Football this week. So you're going to have suitors. You're going to have people that are going to bid him up a little bit. But frankly, if you look at the rest of the guys that are around here, these mid-tier guys, we know what Bashad Breeland's bringing. We know the kind of player that he is. We know his fit with Spagnolo. We know his fit with the locker room. The locker room loves him. So this is a situation where... If you are looking at the mid-tier kind of guys, you could do a lot worse with paying Bashad Breeland $9 million and saying, hey, let's run this back. You know it works. We know it works. Come in here. You can fit our scheme, and we know how to use you in the best possible way. I prefer him in the 8-9 range. 10 is pretty steep. 
I and I I have a harder time with that, and especially it just kind of depends on the amount of years too. Like I mean, he's probably Bashad Breland's looking for a multi-year deal most likely. He's not looking for a one-year prove it deal. He proved it this year, and I'm sure he's trying to get multi-years, and I'm sure he's hoping to get you know three thirty, three years, thirty million dollars. I don't know if I feel great about that, but you know three twenty-four, three you know three years, twenty-four million dollars. I would feel great about. Uh, it again, like I think the familiarity with him, uh, the the comfortability that he probably has here playing in Steve Spagnuolo's system, and I mean he had a lot of success in Steve Spagnuolo's system, so there's a lot to like there for him. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Bashad Breeland was the best cornerback for the Chiefs at least in half the games, if not more. I think overall his season was probably the best for the Chiefs. And the, we talked about it earlier. We didn't include him as kind of the most surprising guy because I think we kind of expected him to be that. Now, he played over our expectations again, and that's why mm-hmm. he's going from two years ago getting the you know six or $7 million per year that he was going to get for the Panthers to now you probably are looking at nine, 10 for him because he's coming off a Super Bowl victory, a game that he was arguably the best defensive player on the field for the Chiefs in. And he had plenty of good plays throughout the playoffs. Like he really showed up when it mattered. If the Chiefs bring him back, I feel very good about it. I love Bashad Bula on this football team. I think he, in this scheme with this team, he has a good chance to be a very high-end number two cornerback. What I would be afraid of with any mid-tier guy, and this includes Breland, as good as he was, I don't think he's a true number one corner. And I think you kind of saw that this year sometimes with the Chiefs. In breaking routes, especially guys with speed, they gave him a lot of trouble. He tried to follow some guys around early to start the year, and I loved that he took that on, but it didn't always go well. I don't think he matches up great with every style of receiver. So I would be afraid that the Chiefs pay him $10 million and then think they're set at cornerback again because they did spend money. Don't sign a mid-tier free agent and try to play him at cornerback one again. Although, what am I saying? They just did that and didn't pay him that much and won a Super Bowl. So maybe I don't know anything. Just I would be afraid to pay any mid-tier guy to be your number one corner and then leave the position alone. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't a mid-tier guy when the Chiefs signed him. No. He was a bottom-tier guy. He was a bargain barrel. He was a bargain (laughs) barrel. And you wonder, I mean, I I wonder if the Chiefs try to do that again. I could see them trying to do that again and then invest heavy in the draft. I mean, it's it's in 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 the the range of outcomes. Do it in the draft and I'm fine with it. Right. So it's, you know, this year's Bashad Breland and, and someone in the draft. We'll get to the draft in a second. But the best free agent fit, Maddie. I think there's a guy Craig's talked about a lot the last two years. It's James Bradbury out of Carolina. I think, like some other guys that we've talked about, he fits that cover three kind of scheme. He's a long guy. He plays physical off the line of scrimmage. He's got enough athleticism to hold guys vertical, squeeze the sideline down, but he plays the ball well. He's smart. He's good in zone. He can pick up different routes coming into his into his area. I just think he's a really good fit over some other guys we've talked about or that may be out there because he fits the age criteria the Chiefs have usually looked for in free agents. So you get a guy that's probably not asking for top-tier money. You're going to get him for multiple years during his prime, and he's a scheme fit pretty much to a T. I think he kind of fits every little checkmark box you could go for. Well, I, th- I think he's an excellent fit. I would be very thrilled to have him on this football team. I'm a little bit curious what his market's going to look like, though. Uh, if I don't know if he's a mid-tier guy. I, I think he's going to make more per year than Bashad Breeland, Breeland will for sure. And so sure. it's just a ma- it's just a matter of it's a matter of it's a matter of figures. I mean, how much are they going? 
uh, you know, how much are they going to spend on, on a, on a James Bradbury? Is it going to be in that $12 million range, $11 million range? How much is it? And I, I do think you have enough, uh, of his prime remaining to sign a guy like him. I, I do agree with that. Um, but it's, it's all going to be about the figures because he could push himself up to a little bit higher than we're expecting right now. Yeah. And he's an available guy. Uh, he's been a 16 game starter for two of the, two of the years here. And then he was 15 game starter last year. And every single year he's had double digit passes defensed. He's just always around the ball. He plays the ball well on the air. Guys, he has to face Julio Jones twice a year. And when you turn on the tape, James Bradbury against Julio Jones, he's not outmatched by Julio Jones. You don't see very many corners that have that sort of competitive balance against a guy like Julio Jones. I would love to sign James Bradbury. I think, yeah, you've got to go up to the 12, 13, maybe even $14 million range just because he is a productive guy that's always on the field and he would fit the Chiefs and he'd fit several schemes, but he would definitely fit the Chiefs. I would be all in on James Bradbury. I feel like he is probably a bottom tier CB1 and I think he's worth paying at that point. He's not going to be like come in, shut down, you know, Jalen Ramsey kind of guy, but he's going to still be in that upper echelon of cornerbacks that it's worth paying. And I just wanted to add real quick that I do think James Bradbury could drive his market up. I think he gets more than Bashad Breeland, but I don't think he's on that Byron Jones level. I think you might even have some people willing to pay Chris Harris a little bit more money and Logan Ryan. So he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be competing for the top money available in this cornerback free agent group. So I think that makes him much more likable and you can maybe get him at the same time as those guys are negotiating a bigger price and get him a little bit cheaper than you would if you wait around. I'd rather have James Bradbury than Logan Ryan, by the way. Okay, so, do, yeah, we'll talk later. Uh, okay, so do they sign someone? Uh, I, yes. This is a question we're going to – but just so, real quick, we're going to ask this question. We know the answer to this one. But in other episodes down the road, we're using the same format. It's it's going to be more interesting later, but do we even need to – let's just let's just move along. We all know they're going to sign someone. Craig just yeah, said Yeah, they're definitely yes. signing somebody. Yeah. They're, they're going to sign someone. They're prob- they might sign two, guys. It might be like a lower tier in a, in, in a decent investment. Hey, Chris Harris wants to play here. Hey, if Chris Harris wants to play here, Chris Harris wants to come play here, let's do it. Uh, all right, let's talk about the draft. Maddie is – you know, we, we can't contain his excitement. Okay. Let's do this. Favorite prospect in this class. Start us off, Maddie. Congratulations. Merry Draftmas to you. So this isn't the draft pod, so we will try not to go too incredibly long. Last year, I was pretty annoying about telling you guys that Sean Murphy Bunting was going to be a guy. He played very, very well for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. I think I found the better version of Sean Murphy Bunting. His name is Cameron Dantzler. He plays for Mississippi State. You can watch him play, and the first thing you're going to say is, man, he is skinny. And as soon as you wrap your mind around how thin-framed he is, everything else he does is so much fun, and he's excellent at it. He is going to be a fast corner. I think he's going to crush the 40 times, especially because he takes pretty long strides. So as long as he gets off the blocks, I think he's going to crush the 40 time. But he plays inside outside man coverage zone press you name it he did everything for mississippi state over the last two years and the best part when he went up against alabama 
and LSU, you know, these round one top 10 pick type receivers, he gave up three catches for like 21 yards or something throughout those two games. You can watch him play against Shamar Chase, who bullied everybody else. And Dantzler was putting him back. He was knocking him off his route. He ran him out of bounds a few times on some vertical routes. He's got excellent feet, good athleticism. He's got crazy length. He's six foot two, 185-ish pounds. But everything about Sean Murphy bunting did last year, Cam Dantzler does that just a little bit more refined. Yeah, so my guy. Hold on really quick. A couple things because I I think we all love Dantzler. Yeah. I I think he's going to fill out a little bit more. I still think mm-hmm. there's there's some room on his frame for him, so I still think he's gonna get. Um, I still I think he's gonna fill out a little bit more. Th- everything's on the table for him from a draft capital perspective. Thirty two is not out of the range of possibilities. I we all yes. kind of I think we all kind of love Cam Dantzler right now. Anyways, continue. We're we're gonna talk about guys that are fast. Like Cam Dantzler is gonna be fast, like fast, fast, fat. Like there are a couple plays that you watch him chasing dudes down, and it. It's it, Matt was even talking about one the other day. It's effortless. Like he doesn't have his head down. He's not even pumping his arms hard and he's just chasing guys down like it's nothing. Cam Dancer is going to be so fast that he's going to play himself or he's going to run himself well into round one there. We'll see if he's still around at 32. My guy is a guy that I've talked about a lot because, frankly, I loved him last year. I was very upset when he didn't come out last year (laughs) from LSU. Christian Fulton, he's my dude. Uh, Like, I am a sucker for long guys with good athleticism and elite feet and elite footwork. And he is arguably up there with the rest of the guys in this class from a footwork perspective. He's very light on his feet. He mirrors route stems incredibly well. And when he's locked in, fully locked in, he's a guy that is just, he can blank top receivers. He blanked out, you know, he really gave Jerry Judy everything he could handle. And Jerry Judy's going to go way, way, way up in the draft. I think that Christian Fulton is not necessarily an exact fit for what Spags wants as a corner. He's not necessarily, you know, great in zone. He can do it, but he's not great. And he doesn't have the same aggression when in run support. He's a very physical player in coverage, but not in run support. So I think that those are some things that may give some people pause when they watch him on tape. But here's the other thing. Christian Fulton and Tyron Matthew are boys. Like, they're, they are Uh-oh. boys. So, if Woo! Christian Fulton's coming here, you're going to get the best possible version of Christian Fulton because he's going to want to play for one of his guys. The guy that's running the locker room, the guy that's going to keep him switched on. I don't think that some of the consistency arguments or some of the, you know, effort arguments that you might hear about Christian Fulton leading up to the draft apply to the Kansas City Chiefs because they've got the honey badger there in the locker room. Oh, you know who is physical against the run? Cameron Dantzler. Yeah, that's true. He is. Do you know who else is physical in the run game? I love all these corners. My guy, (laughs) Jeff Gladney. Uh, Craig was talking about really good feet and he was talking about some of the best feet in the class. I'm about to talk about the guy with the best feet in the class. <laughs> Don't at me. Jeffrey Gladney out of TCU. Six foot. Um, he's not a big dude. He's probably I, he's probably under 190 would be my guess. But 
I think he has. I think he personally has the best feet in the class. Uh, he like he's a willing tackler. He he's definitely not afraid to be physical in the run game. Um, and I I really like that about him. He's he's got some he's got some hashtag championship swagger. He has some hashtag Jair Alexander in his game too. Mm-hmm. I think if you you know he's not quite the same. He's not following a, a receiver around after a play doing the little cockadoodle do thing, but. He still has he still has some attitude to him and and it shows on the football field. Um, I I think he's got pretty good ball skills. I wish he played a little bit better at the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, disrupting routes, disrupting you know timing a little bit. That's not something that's but that's I mean that's improved like he can improve on that no problem. Um, I think he's a little bit grabby at the top of routes. I think he gets a little bit too physical, but I, I think that's just his nature. I think that's his football. I think that's his game. Um, but he's got really quality athletic profile. He's got the right mentality. He's got some ball skills. Um, I think he can play off. I think he can play in man. I think I, if the Chiefs took him in the first round, I would no problem whatsoever. I'd be thrilled. I would be. I think he's a guy that that will endear himself to Chiefs fans very quickly. I I think it's funny that you mentioned Jair Alexander. No, he's not going to dance in front of you. He, he'll throw a punch and get himself ejected from the game. He uh, he's aggressive. And <laughs> he is. I, he he is very aggressive. I want to throw. He's a little a too couple, aggressive. I mean, even and I think he's a little too aggressive. A little too. Li- he's too. Yeah, no, that's it, well, even at the line of, of like at the line of scrimmage. I think he's a little bit too aggressive. He's a little too impatient. Yeah. Anyways, continue. He uh, he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. He reportedly. Squats 620 pounds. <laughs> he benches 400. Wow. And apparently runs 4-3. Like, we'll, we'll see all of this, but he all the, all the, is... All the reps bench pressing in my entire life, I have not put 400 pounds up, like, accumulatively. Like, that's impressive. <laughs> and it's... it's- it's funny that Kent said that he wasn't the biggest guy because on that same kind of freaks as Bruce Feldman had him only at 183. But at six foot 183, yes, he's not the biggest guy. No, he doesn't look like he's he 183. Doesn't. He doesn't play like it. He is very built very well for 183 pounds at six foot. And like those numbers Craig just said, and you could add in a 400 pound clean to that. He's a very strong, explosive player. It shows up on film. Like Kent said, he probably gets a little in his own head trying to be a little too physical, but you'd rather have that than the other ones. You can always just yeah. hope the rest Smooth them out. It. Smooth them out a little them bit. Smooth them out. Oh, buddy. I love him. Uh, let's talk about the best fit in the draft, Craig. My guy, my other guy, Bryce Hall. Uh, Bryce Hall, we talked about a little bit last week, so I won't belabor the point. He's his own corner. And he's got good ball skills. And uh, we talked about some of these other zone corners and guys that we think that Steve Spagnuolo can use. I just think he's got familiarity playing with Juan Thornhill over the top as well. Hashtag Thornhill Hall 2020. He's a hard worker and he's ridiculously smart. Uh, After he got injured, you know, broke his leg, dislocated his ankle this past season, he spent the rest of the time in the film room and they actually called him an assistant coach. For the DBs there, he he was a, he's just a ridiculously smart guy, locker room leader. All the things that we said about him, you know, earlier on this week about the type of player he is, I think he fits really well with what Steve Spagnuolo wants out of a corner. 
Like Craig said, we talked about it a little bit. I think I aired some concerns and I still do have those. I don't think he's the best athlete. I've watched a little bit more film since then. I really do think he looks like a guy that's been taught the proper way to play quarterback and he's trying to. It just is not natural for him, especially when he's having to backpedal or transition. But the thing is, if you're big, if you're strong and you're really smart, you can get by with not being the best athlete. I think Bryce Hall does hit all those notes. He fits the scheme perfectly. He's willing to be a physical tackler. He will play hard through a wide receiver, through a running back, has good ball skills. And given his size and long strides, he does have decent at the very least deep speed if he doesn't have the best kind of change of direction or acceleration. I think his margin for error is a lot smaller than anybody else we've talked about so far, just because he's not that same level of athlete. I really do think there are some limitations there, but there is a path for him to hit. He very much reminds me of Richard Sherman coming out of college. When you talk about the IQ and their style of play, you got to get him to play like that, which a lot of people have tried in the NFL. Not many do, but there is a path for him to succeed. And the Chiefs are a team that will really use him that way. Yeah, I I, I think um, I lost my train of thought a little bit, but I, I, I think he's a guy that with from a value perspective, he's got the injury issue. I think you could potentially target him at the back end of round two. And I think some of the questions and stuff that we've brought up about him with the athleticism and even Craig and I, who are our big Bryce Hall fans and, and obviously hashtag Thornhill Hall 2020. We, we both agree with some of these athleticism concerns and, and it, they're valid with the, with the, with the broken ankle issue that he's recovering from not getting a test. That's not going to help him, but he could really be tremendous value in the back end of round two. Like absolutely tremendous value. I think if he had come out last year, he would have been in the conversation for the late first. Uh, and I think if he didn't break his ankle, he would be in the conversation for the late late first as well. As well. All right, let's talk about a day three sleeper, Craig. Who are we talking about? We are talking about a guy that we got to see at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, um, we did. I like a lot of guys depth in this class, but a guy that we thought looked pretty good, Michael Ojemudia out of Iowa. He's really long. He's very physical. He's got great size for the position. I mean, we talked about all these things with Steve Spagnuolo there, and he's very smart. You see it on the field. You see his football IQ when he's passing routes off, when he's making, you know, transitioning towards things. He understands route distributions really well. And that helps make up for some of the lack of the fluidity that he has, some of the lack of the long speed that he has. He, he doesn't really trigger downhill very quickly unless he's kind of seeing things develop in front of him. And so he kind of fits a lot of the style of players that the Chiefs just got done fielding this past offseason. They did find success with that. Guys that were kind of limited with their fluidity, but long and can play the ball and are physical. I think that he's a guy that makes a ton of sense. If he's in there in day three and they take Ojemudia as a project guy to try and build on, he makes perfect sense as kind of a like for like for some of the guys that they already have on the roster and they don't have to change their scheme for a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, he's, I, I think the yeah, overall athletic profile, it showed up at times in the senior bowl, but overall, I honestly thought he still had a pretty decent week for himself. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a little bit tight in the hips as he's doesn't have great long speed. His feet aren't overly impressive, but like Craig said, good zone, good zone corner. I mean, I, I do think he's got, um, some chops there. I think he's a smart football player. Um, and, and 
as far as a guy in the back end of uh, in day three, I think he makes all the sense in the world for you know if you're if you're smart, if you have good zone zone ability. I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to deal with you just fine. I have the same concerns about Ojemudia that I would Bryce Hall, probably even more so, just because he's you know he is a tier down from him, but he fits a lot of the same strengths as well. He's very physical. I actually think I like him a little bit better pressing a receiver off the line of scrimmage. I think he's a little bit stronger and has a better feel for how to control a receiver, but he's a little bit more, even more limited in terms of his transitions, his footwork. He has a lot of work to do, but what he does well, be very smart, be very strong, be physical, rerouting guys off the line of scrimmage. He plays a lot like Traverius Ward, and I don't think that he has the same level of deep speed that Ward does, but he probably has a little bit better ball skills, maybe a little bit quicker trigger out of a pure static zone as well. So I think he fits the profile the Chiefs are looking for. I do know they've gone to Iowa in the past. They do seem to have a relationship with some coaches there, so they might get a good insight on who he is as a person, as a player in the locker room. I just I think he's a guy that fits the scheme, and more so than just the scheme, he shares a lot of traits with guys they've already put out on the field for this team that had success with. All right, well, that is going to do it for our cornerback preview, profile, whatever you want to call this. Thank you guys for listening to us. We'll be back on Monday with the mailbag. We'll catch you later. Cameron Dantzler. Dantzler.